ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. When you think about the rivers in major cities, do you think, hmm, might have a nice dip? Or is it more like, maybe I'll just have some kind of beverage next to that? Because some urban rivers can be pretty germy. Paris, though, is making a huge effort to clean up the Seine ahead of their Olympics hosting gig. They plan to host three swimming events in it and have the opening ceremony on it. And cities elsewhere around the world are getting on board with this move to restore their rivers and make them safer for recreational use too. What do you think of that idea? Would you swim in your city's river in Australia or have you swum in an urban river overseas? Dr. Rebecca Olive is a Vice-Chancellor's Senior Research Fellow in the Social and Global Studies Centre at RMIT University. And she's got a project called Moving Oceans, which looks at how swimming helps us relate to natural waterways. Rebecca, great to have you on the program. Thanks for having me. We also have with us today Tim Fletcher, who's a Professor of Urban Eco-Hydrology at the University of Melbourne. Tim, great to have you here. Hi Hilary, how are you going? Good, thanks. Rebecca Olive, I'll start with you. Australians who live near beaches are, you know, renowned for loving a swim there, but uh, many of us feel a little bit worried about swimming in our urban rivers. Is that fear justified? Oh, well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Good, okay, interview finished. (laughs) Yeah, problem solved. No, I mean, a lot of urban rivers are very polluted. Um, A lot of the cities in Australia are at the end of rivers. So we get everything coming from inland as well as anything we're putting into the water around the river as well. So it's understandable that people can be afraid of swimming in them, yeah. So uh, what are the benefits then of river swimming (laughs) if you're not looking at the beautiful, pristine upriver? stretches but more down towards the cities? Well it's growing, it's definitely growing as a movement and a lot of cities are committing to cleaning up the rivers so that they're swimmable within cities. So that's a really great thing that's happening. So it's definitely something that's becoming possible for us now. Um, Sydney has the Urban Plunge movement and they're opening up ways of swimming in the river and places around, we know about swimming in the harbour. But further upriver as well is being cleaned up so that's awesome. Here in Melbourne where I'm talking to you from. <laughs> there's also a movement to clean up the Yarra. So, and there's a group that swims in the Yarra. I think every morning. Very where cold. in the Yarra? <laughs> like Warrandyte, right in the Green Middle? No, no, no. At Deep Rock. Um, so quite close in near the city. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Um, Brisbane, not so much. I think there are people that plunge in that river and the Swan River in Western Australia as well. There's there's um, alerts all the time about where around is is safe to swim. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in a moment about how much information and guidance would be useful. Uh, but Tim. Uh, what's driving this world cleanup movement? Is it about pure environmentalism or maybe a bit of tourism and other things thrown in as well? I think it's a balance. And I think Rebecca summarised really nicely the kind of human perspective, why we, you know, we kind of live near rivers, as she described perfectly, all our cities tend to be at the end of rivers. So people are there. So it makes sense. Um, but it's funny, isn't it? We we uh, start to think about how polluted they are when we uh, bring humans into it. But I tend to think from the other perspective, what about all the organisms that don't have a choice? They can't uh, you know, live in the local cafe or go to the library, you know, the fish and the little bugs and the platypus, for example. So I, I think um, if you take Melbourne as an example, the last 20 years we really have seen enormous efforts to try to reduce the pollution going into our waterways, dealing with the wastewater firstly and and now the stormwater. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a huge job given how big the city is and how essentially every square metre of roof or road or footpath 
uh, you know, creates pollutants that, that go into those um, into those rivers. Yep, everyone who doesn't clean up after their dog, for example, that causes a problem downstream. So, Tim, how far up a river do you have to go to make sure the bit at the mouth would be clean enough to swim in? Do you need buy-in from every local council along the way or just some overarching state or federal move? Yeah, so if we think from an ecosystem point of view... Um, Oh, I've got a crying baby behind me. Aww. If we think from an ecosystem point of view, then really we need to achieve a very high level of um, of treatment, I suppose. So basically, uh, as I was kind of hinting, even something as simple as a roof, uh, typically, you know, roofs often have um, metals such as zinc or that sort of thing, which great for protecting your roof from rust. But when that ends up in a waterway, it's really harmful for the organisms that live there. And so that tells us that basically we have to find ways of intercepting, uh, treating and potentially reusing all of that water that runs off those surfaces so it's not going into rivers. That's a big job, but it's also a great opportunity because it creates an important new water resource. Getting texts on this too, the the bull shark's apparently more of a problem than the dirty water in the Brisbane River. (laughs) Several people making us aware. Thank you for that. And we're speaking with Tim Fletcher, who's a professor of urban eco-hydrology at the University of Melbourne, and Dr Rebecca Olive, who's a Vice-Chancellor Senior Research Fellow at RMIT University, looking at how swimming helps us relate to natural waterways and to our cities as well. And when we look over Seas, Rebecca, I understand that Switzerland's um, going a bit bonkers. They've got you know swimming projects in lots of their cities. Why is it a useful thing to do in a city in particular? How does it change people's relationship with their city? When we swim in water, we really are reminded in this very sensual, very immersive way that we are interconnected with the world around us. So it's very easy in a radio studio or in a house to build the world out away from you. So we can be in a room and we can have insect sprays and we can have fly screens and we can have doors (laughs) and we can have all sorts of things to keep animals out, other than usually pets, but they might bring things in. Um, But when you go into a natural body of water, so a river or a lake or an ocean, that water's moving around, it's travelling across borders. We're just reminded that, you know, we are just part of an ecology as well. We take, if, we, if we're going to swim in a river in a city or, the, or a bay or the, a beach, then we're going to take in the same pollutants, the same chemicals, the same bacteria as the critters that Tim mentioned live in that water. So it's a really powerful reminder for us that we are part of the world, you know, in these really uh, deep ways that we can fake that we're not in a lot of our lives. And it also reminds us, I love Tim's points with rivers, they do move through space. So what what we swim in here has come from other places a lot of the time. And so it reminds us that actually we have these responsibilities of care for what happens up and downstream as well, that we're not just here in our local place, actually in a city, we're really connected to the regions, we're connected to rural areas, and we're connected to oceans because that river water will end up somewhere else. So it's a really powerful kind of reminder when we're in the water because we feel it on our skin, but of course the water also gets inside us as well. Yes, which can have pros and cons. And we'll talk about that as we're speaking with Dr. Rebecca Olive and Tim Fletcher, Professor of Urban Ecohydrology. Rebecca, just looking at the the pictures from the various Swiss cities that are doing this, it seems to have quite a social uh, component as well. It connects people to other people and makes makes a place out of a place that might have been seen as a, a non-place, you know, the kind of manky edge of the river, the, <laughs> the, the mouth where you just, I don't know, you just have boats, for example. 
Yes. So, you know, we talk about swimming is so good for our health and well-being and our health and well-being includes our physical health. We're kind of talking about that because movement's really good for us, but it's also good for our mental health um, because we're looking at different colours. We're feeling different things. Sometimes it's cold or or a bit gross. (laughs) So we're doing something that's, you know, makes us uncomfortable and that's quite a healthy thing to do in our life. But also it's socially really good for our health and well-being because we connect with others. And I would always make the point that we shouldn't really swim alone. So I'd always say, you know, swim with others in order to be safe. And so that social connectivity is what we would call it, is really important um, in our lives. And especially coming out of the COVID lockdowns, you know, um, people are really felt really isolated during that time. So it's lovely to connect that way. And you'll often meet people that you might have met in other parts of your life. So it can expand your social circles in really profound ways through this quite intimate, exciting experience. Lovely text in here on uh, swimming around our urban centres. It says, I live in Canberra and I always shied away from swimming in Lake Burley Griffin. It's got a terrible reputation. However, I got hooked on open water swimming in New Zealand. And although Lake Burley Griffin doesn't come close to the beautiful, clear water in New Zealand, they say, I've just started swimming in Lake Burley Griffin and it's been a delight. I just keep an eye on water quality testing and I'm sensible about it. Councils, local or state governments should conduct more water quality testing in more locations and also over winter to encourage swimming in natural water bodies. It's a life changer. I haven't stopped swimming in the lake thus far this winter. Love it. It's changed my life. A big heart shake from Dr. (laughs) Rebecca Olive there. That's great. Rebecca, what would it take to make urban river swimming safe? Because, I mean, a lot of people I think listening would be going, I do love that idea of connecting with nature and I do love that idea of being part of my place, but I don't want the nature in me if it's going to make me sick. Uh, What do we need to do to to make sure it's safe? Certainly it's about us taking better care of rivers and that includes upstream, you know, or upriver, as well as all the creeks that feed, of course. Rivers aren't just one thing there. And and in Melbourne, that's, you know, very clear to people who live here. But it's about what we do on land more than what we do in in water when we're there. I mean, rivers are never going to be, um, they're always going to be complex ecologies um, and it, or especially after rain and that's one of the things in the Seine with Paris Olympics they just went to have swimming trials in it and actually they cancelled it because there'd been a lot of rain runoff so even though they've put in all these um, new drainage measures in this very old city that had terrible um, drainage it's they're being very very cautious about when they'll let people swim but it really is about what we do on land in different ways in order to take care of the water that we'd like to immerse ourselves in. Tim is it easier in a, a less historical city like uh, Australian urban centres than it would be in somewhere like Paris, which has a much older drainage system, as we've heard, to, to take those steps to start cleaning up our rivers? It, it, would it be easier here? So, yeah, the, the context in Paris or indeed across most of uh, Europe is, is completely different to us. They have what's called a combined sewer system where the wastewater and the stormwater, so the water that runs off the streets, are all combined and then go into treatment plants. And essentially in uh, Paris, they're, they're dealing with this now by building a whole lot of big treatment plants and storage tanks that'll treat that water even in periods of heavy rain uh, and stop it from going untreated into the river. Our context is different. We have separate sewer system for wastewater, which goes off to treatment plants and is treated and typically discharged uh, to the ocean or to land um, in rural areas. Uh, and it's our stormwater that goes into rivers. So it's it's typically we don't have much wastewater pollution, a few illegal connections, but not much. 
we our main problem is stormwater and so that also tells us that the solutions lie you know basically where the rain falls so uh all your listeners who are living in a house or an apartment the best thing they can do is have something like a rainwater tank where they're actually collecting that water and using it stop stopping it from going into the river uh or something like what we call a rain garden where the water uh the runoff from for example road or from your footpath or your driveway trickles into this garden is filtered through the soil goes into groundwater and it gets into the river that way a nice natural process where it's really filtered nature invented all those millions or billions of years ago uh great ways of filtering water through natural soils and through vegetation and we basically circumvented that we say no no we'll we'll build a gutter and then a pipe and we'll push that water directly into the river a few minutes after it falls on the street and the trouble is that takes all the all the pollutants with it but if we can filter it through those natural soils you don't get those pollutants they get um you know taken up by all the microbes that live in there and, and converted mm. um, and you get nice clean water. It's been really interesting to see the level crossing removal projects include those swales uh, as drainage so that, yeah, things are filtered and baffled by these plantings before they go into the drainage system. Tim, does swimming help the health of our rivers, though, or does having stinky humans with sunscreen and body products do a different kind of damage? Um, look, relatively, um, the, the amount of pollutants being brought by a, a human body are, are going to be pretty low. Um, so I, I don't think from, from most rivers that's going to be a concern. They've got a lot of flow going through them. So it's, it's not really going to be a, a concern. Um, yeah, so, and I, I absolutely agree with Rebecca that the, the benefits society gets from humans being connected to their rivers, connected to nature, are huge, both for the individuals and society. So well worth doing, well worth pushing for, I think. Big thumbs up from Tim. Rebecca, mm. Olive, just to finish up with, we, we talked before about people being a little worried, justifiably, about some of the health risks at some points in some places. Is there a way that governments could give better guidance, like they do, for example, with some of the bay swimming places around Melbourne, about whether it's safe to go in a river? Yeah, a lot of the governments have alert systems and so you can look online. Sydney, uh, Melbourne and uh, Perth all have alert systems um, because they're cities in which people swim in in the bay or in in rivers. So it's really worth looking that up and and keeping an eye on it and taking it quite seriously. But often people around you will know what's going on too and some people test the water themselves and have ways of, you know, doing that because the results can... uh, Sorry, Hobart as well has a a testing system, but they admit it can be a few days behind. So you do need to keep up, you know, you do need to take that into consideration. But I would also stress, like, you can't ever be fully safe, you know, when when we do these things. One of the things when I'm looking at oceans I think about a lot is encounter with animals and, and plants and bacteria. And so we can't fully control it. But that's part of what's healthy about it. That's part of what's exciting about it. And that's why, you know, I love swimming in pools as well. So I'm not a person who puts pools down, but that's where you can feel quite safe in a pool because it's a controlled environment. But if you want to swim in a river or the ocean, then you do have to accept some kind of unknowability 
about it. But that's part of what's exciting and that's part of what I, for, uh, what I experience as part of the health of it. It's been lovely chatting with you both today. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much. Dr. Rebecca Thanks, Olive. Thanks, Tim. Dr. Rebecca Olive is a Vice-Chancellor's Senior Research Fellow at RMIT University. She's got a Moving Oceans project looking at how swimming helps us relate to natural waterways. And Tim Fletcher is a Professor of Urban Eco-Hydrology at the University of Melbourne. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. 